0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the UK Law Weekly podcast. With me, your host Marcus Cleaver. This week we are going to be looking at the case of G and G. The citation for this case is 2021 UKSC 9. And this case that we're looking at this week is a really difficult one because it requires a delicate balancing act between two very sensitive issues: asylum applications and child abduction. The two parties to the case are referred to by the letter G and they are the parents of an eight-year-old girl who, helpfully, is also known throughout the case as G2, thanks English legal conventions. Anyway, the eight-year-old was born in South Africa and has been habitually resident there all her life until March 2020, when the mother wrongfully took the child to England in what was a breach of the father's custody rights. As a result, the father applied for an order under the 1980 Hague Convention for the child to be returned to South Africa. For reference, the Convention is an international agreement that has been incorporated into UK law and operates to allow for the prompt return of a wrongfully abducted child to the country where he or she is habitually resident. That was the nature of the order made by the father in respect of G, but it was opposed by the mother on the basis that a return would expose G to physical or psychological harm or otherwise place her in an intolerable situation. To give a bit more background to this opposition, the mother identifies as a lesbian and unfortunately when she split up with G's father and came out to her family, she was subjected to violence and death threats. With that in mind, she applied for asylum when she arrived in England, stating fear of persecution as her reason. On the application, G is listed as a dependent. This then clashes with the Hague Convention because one of the core principles of asylum law is called non-refoulement and basically means that an asylum seeker should not be returned to a country where they are likely to be subjected to persecution. So to sum up the question at the heart of these proceedings, on the one hand G should arguably not be returned to South Africa because she is a dependent on her mother's asylum application and therefore should be protected from refoulement. On the other hand, she arguably should be taken back to South Africa because that is her country of habitual residence where she has been abducted from. Marrying these two legitimate objectives is further complicated by the fact that an asylum claim can often take years to resolve, while the Hague Convention requires the prompt determination of an application regarding child abduction. This opens up the worrying possibility that there might be dummy asylum claims made so that the abducting parent can remain with the child until the claim is eventually resolved, and in the meantime the relationship with the other parent might be harmed beyond repair. To be clear, that is not to say that this is what is happening in the present case, but it is a practical possibility that the courts have to be cognizant of. When these proceedings made their way to the Court of Appeal, it was held that if G had made an application for asylum in her own right, then the principle of non-refoulement would apply, and she could not be returned to South Africa. However, because she was merely a dependent listed on her mother's application, there was nothing barring her return under the Hague Convention. The mother appealed that decision to the Supreme Court, and that is where we pick things up. The justices began by noting that asylum law in the UK is a bit of a messy patchwork consisting of UK law, international agreements, and EU law as it was at the time, that has since been incorporated into domestic legislation. Nevertheless, there is a fundamental idea that a person who is a refugee has a right not to be refouled. Furthermore, the definition of a refugee for this purpose is not just someone who has been granted refugee status, but also includes someone who is seeking refugee status. Another principle that comes from asylum law and that is relevant to this case is that when an asylum application lists a child as a dependent then that will generally be regarded as an asylum claim by that child. This has some sort of logical sense to it because an adult's fear of persecution is also likely to apply to the child as well. On top of that it doesn't make sense for a failure by the child to submit their own asylum application to be determinative, when it is generally the parent who would have to complete and submit the application on their behalf. Putting those two things together, we can say that a child like G, who is an applicant for asylum in her own right, has a right to be protected from refoulement. Of course, while in most cases that will not be problematic whatsoever, here it raises concerns about the operation of the Hague Convention, because the principle of non-refoulement would inhibit any return order made under the convention. Nevertheless, the Supreme Court pointed out that this doesn't have to stop the High Court from making a return order, even if that order cannot be implemented until some time later. Indeed, there is no reason why the application under the Hague Convention should not go ahead as soon as possible. A decision on the question could in fact assist with the subsequent decision in relation to the asylum claim, as there will be facets of the two applications that are likely to marry up. Furthermore, if the asylum application does end up being successful, then it is perfectly possible for the High Court to set aside the return order. Another issue to consider, though, is that an asylum application is not really determined until any rights to an appeal have been exhausted. So there is a question about what should happen when all of this is going through the courts. Fortunately, asylum law in the UK does distinguish between those with the right to appeal from within the UK versus those who only have right to appeal from outside of the UK. Thus, an appeal from outside of the UK marries up nicely with the implementation of a return order, while if an appeal has to take place from within the UK, then any return order simply won't be implemented at that point in time. When it comes to analysing this case and providing some sort of commentary, It is important to start off by saying that both issues raised in these proceedings are legitimate and deserve due respect. Asylum claims should be dealt with humanely, while child abduction cases should be treated with an appropriate level of seriousness. This means that there is not a right or perfect answer here, and so the legal system just needs to try and find a way to deal with this catch-22 situation as best they can. I'm not quite sure the Supreme Court gets this right though, It's possible to see what they are aiming for, and in some ways it is quite clever. By prioritising the asylum claims, and more specifically the principle of non-refoulement, it puts a certain amount of pressure on the courts and the Home Office for this all to be resolved quickly, in order for the UK to meet its obligations under the 1980 Hague Convention. Undoubtedly, the fact that the two claims can be coordinated will have had some influence on this decision, as well as existing proposals from the government to introduce concurrent proceedings for when this situation arises in the future. That is all fine, but these proposals are still exactly that, proposals. And the idea that this current Home Secretary will be guilt-tripped into abiding by international obligations is like hoping Dracula might refrain from Sucking Your Blood. In family law, the focus is always on what is best for the child, and I think that is what needs to be happening here. As a reminder, G has been taken out of the country where she has been habitually resident for her entire life to a country that she does not know at all. Her friends and most of her family are back in South Africa, and being taken away from all of that at such a young age is bound to be disorienting and could seriously impact her development and existing relationships. Of course, that is not to say that the asylum claim should not be taken seriously, but rather the return order should be considered more swiftly, in line with the Hague Convention, and take into account any possibility of persecution that might later factor into an asylum claim. Even if the courts erred on the side of caution on this point, that would be preferable to what the Supreme Court proposes. Instead, the law would be able to offer a suitable level of protection while simultaneously looking after the best interests of the child? And what more can you ask for in difficult circumstances like these? Well, thank you very much for tuning into the UK Law Weekly podcast, and thanks as ever to bensound.com who provide the theme music. If you haven't already, then do make sure that you've signed up to the email newsletter. There should be a link in the description to this podcast episode. It is Oscar week at the moment, um, and that means that I'm going to try and hopefully review a couple of films. Um, certainly going to try and do The Mauritanian, and also The Trial of the Chicago 7. So if you're a film buff, then definitely sign up and have a look out for that, and I hope you enjoy it. Anyway, I'll be back with another episode next week, but for now, bye! Bye!